Good morning, Journey Church. Why don't you go have, go woo, go ahead and stand while we start worship. of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just a few things. It says, in his great mercy. Anybody needed any mercy in this room? Anybody need God to give you a little bit of mercy? 
I can say for myself, that in and of itself is really good news. What I love also is the language that it uses when it says, uh, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I think it's interesting that, it, that, that it's clarifying that it's not a dead hope. A dead hope is not very effective. Am I right? I don't know, it goes without saying, but just this morning as we're gonna sing a song called Living Hope, um, I want you to think about what is the living hope inside of you. As we sing, as we worship, as God has poured out mercy on each of us, what is your living hope? And as you, as we take time to kind of sift through this as we worship, can I encourage you to engage your hearts, not just as some intellectual exercise. God is after your heart this morning. The difference between the, the religion and relationship is that we engage our hearts because God talks about David being a man after his own heart and, and these men and women who sought after him, he was never interested in how good they were, how churchy they were, how, how they put on their best churchy clothes, but he was really, really interested in their hearts. So we're gonna worship and I'm gonna pray. If you've got needs this morning, can I just encourage you to just lift them up to him? I've got no magical prayers, so your prayers are just as effective as mine. So why don't we go ahead and just, whatever is on our hearts, whatever, maybe you're just hungry for more of God today. Maybe you don't have anything specific you need to be praying for, but you're just, you're, you're looking for more. Let's just bring that to him. Can we bring that to him this morning? I'm going to pray. Father, thank you that you continue to have more to offer, more than we could ever imagine. God, I pray that we would stop settling for less, for mediocrity and basic. God, I thank you that your mercy has been poured out on us and we are able to have a living hope in you, Jesus. I pray that as we sing and as we worship, we would just be reminded of your, of your might and your strength in our lives, that you are present, not as an idea, but as a person we can engage with you today. Be glorified as we sing. In your name we pray. How great a chasm that lay between us how high the mountains I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could Where my sin him. 
The cross has spoken. Come on. I am forgiven. The King of kings called me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. something to you let's see it came the morning that sealed the promise come on your very body began to breathe out of the God right now. 
Speak to him. Let's become present in this moment right here as we worship. Where's your mind at? Let's bring it. Come on. Steals my voice, you understand me, you understand me. Come to me in the valley of unknowns, you understand me, you understand me, you understand me, God. You understand me So I throw all my cares before you My doubts and fears don't scare you You're bigger than I thought you were You're bigger than I thought So I stop all negotiations With the God of all creations You're bigger than you were, you're bigger than I thought. Oh, bigger than I thought. Yeah. I believe, but help my unbelief. You understand.
Take a seat for me. My name is Shane. If you don't know me, nice to meet you. Um, I'm just going to be talking to you guys a little bit about what God's doing in my life uh, recently. Uh, this last year or so has been pretty eventful. Last fall, I went to, I moved to Biola University, um, or next to Biola University. I wasn't living on campus like the cool kids, but um, I was near, and yeah, anyways, I was next to it. And um, that, for me, was kind of a step of faith. I knew I didn't have the money to pay for Biola, um, like $20,000 a semester or whatever it is. I, I knew I was never coming up with that. Um, but I was like, God, I, I received the initial amount I needed to go um, through some help with friends and um, some generous donations. Um, and I was like, God, I'm going to go and see what happens. Uh, I trust that you're going to come through. Uh, my personal experience at Biola wasn't the awesomest thing that I've ever experienced in my whole life. Um, some people have a great time. I did not. Um, and come the springtime, I didn't have the money to pay for it. So I had to move back. I had to pick up and come home, I'd drop all my classes, unenroll, 
And I hated telling people about that. I was, like, I was just so embarrassed, like, all the time. Like, yeah, I couldn't pay for it. I had to come home. I couldn't pay for it. Everyone, what happened? Why'd you move back? We just said bye to you, like, not that long ago. I couldn't pay for it. I had to come home. Um, so I hated talking about that. And then I finally got readjusted. I moved back. I'm living with a friend who was letting me stay at his house. And then I was like, you know what? I'll get engaged. That will save money, right? <laughs> yes. So decided to get engaged. And that was awesome. And I'm now, after that, I'm like, God, I don't have the money for a wedding. And I don't have the money for a place to live. And we're trying to scrounge together some money and save money. Um, and I was talking to my fiance, and we were just like, man, we do, how are we ever going to make this happen? It just doesn't make sense. Like, financially, I don't get how it's ever going to happen. Um, and we were just talking. We are like, well, we're just going to trust God. And I'm, I told her, like, let's keep tithing. Just make sure that you keep tithing. Just make sure that that's every time we get paid, we're going to make sure that we do that. Not because I think God's going to just drop a lump sum in our lap, but I think that his plan is better than mine. I've never been able to make anything up on my own anyway, so I might as well trust him. Um, and this last Sunday, someone, uh, we were having like a backyard wedding, and um, it wasn't going to be anything super grand or mega expensive anyways, but um, someone last Sunday just anonymously donated the amount we were planning on spending on our wedding, plus a little extra. So that was like super cool, and we didn't, we didn't expect that at all. Um, but... Yeah, I tell you guys this story because I struggled with this for so long, and I was like, after leaving Biola, I was like, God, maybe you just don't come through for me financially, like you come through for other people. I don't know. I was like, this is huge tension for me, and I don't, I'm not saying that if you tithe, God's going to just hand you like some money. I don't think that's how it works, um, because I don't think he has to either way, but I, what I do think is that me tithing and, and me and my fiance choosing to put it in his hands put us in a position to trust what he was doing and his plan big more than what our plan was. Um, I wasn't supposed to be at Biola, I don't think. Now I'm attending Biola online. Um, I'm taking one class and it is really awesome. I'm paying for it completely by myself. Um, and I have 100% so far. It's not easier, okay? I know what you guys are thinking. It's not just because it's easier. Um, no, I have, I'm doing it and I enjoy it a lot more than when I was attending. Um, and I just feel like, man, God, he didn't have to do that. But us tithing and us choosing to, self, to put ourselves in a position to trust his plan, um, he did come through. And it was awesome. And now we get to have a wedding and, and possibly go on a honeymoon that we didn't plan on going on. And so it's really exciting. And, and we're really grateful. And there's going to be some situations that he probably doesn't come through on and some that he does. And I don't know the outcome. And I don't know what comes next. But I know time and time again, God has constantly proven himself to be more trustworthy. And for his... For me to put my trust in him to be a better plan than for me to put my trust in my own plan. So with that in mind, I just want to invite the ushers to come forward. If you guys would bow your heads with me, let's pray over the tithe this morning. God, thank you so much. Thank you that you are so good, God. Thank you that you have gone before us and walked before us and that you know ahead of time what's going to be best for us, Lord God. I pray that we would have hearts of generosity at Journey Church, Lord Jesus. Um, I pray that we would continue to contribute to your kingdom, Lord God. That way we would position ourselves to be ready, Lord, for your plan to come about and not just our own, God. I thank you so much that you're good, that you know everything that you are um, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, Lord, and that you are eternal, and that you have our backs, Lord God, and you have, you have everything planned out already. Um, in Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. All right, if you guys would welcome my friend Ptolemy to the stage, he's going to give us some announcements. Thank you, thank you, Shane. 
appreciate it. My name is Ptolemy. I'll be going over your announcements this morning. If you are one of the fifth or sixth graders, you are dismissed at this time. Head to the back of the sanctuary where your teacher will be waiting for you. Also, if you're new to Journey and you have a, a, an infant with you, if they get fussy but you still want to be part of the service, we have a beautiful cry room back here. So you can still see and hear everything, be a part of everything that is going on. Um, so if you have a fussy baby, go ahead and take them back there. For our announcements, this Wednesday is Connect Night here at the church, and we have something for the entire family. So bring the kids. We've got child care for them, 6.30 to 8. And also for the teenagers, we also have the crash. Matter of fact, they're getting together um, from 6 to 6.30, hanging out. And then the crash from 6.30 to 8. And then for the adults, we have Connect Night. It, we're going to be having an Italian-themed potluck. So, if you are known for some fantastic Italian food, bring two. One to share with everybody and one for me to take home. Sound like a plan? All right. Also on Wednesday, oh, no, no, no. Uh, the next one is Women's Retreat, October 4th through 6th. That's less than two weeks away. I'm hearing that it's going to be an amazing time. The accommodations are great. Um, if you are interested in going, there are only three spots remaining, so make sure if you're interested in going, uh, go take a look at the flyer at the hot spot. And also, even if you don't have the money to cover, we still want to know if you want to go, we're going to try to make that happen for you. So once again, if you're interested in going, go ask for more information at the hot spot. Also on Wednesday, um, we're going to be serving at Grace Resource, so if you want to come and volunteer some time, uh, we invite you to come on out and help serve there at Grace Resource. And here's the thing, we have two events that day, so serving at Grace Resource, but then we also have Connect Night here. They don't overlap. Grace Resource ends at about 6.30, so hop on over here, be part of the potluck, and just be a part of it. If today is your first day at Journey Church, Welcome. We have a gift for you at the hot spot. We're very happy that you are here. Everybody, get on up. Tell somebody that you love them. Give them a nice warm handshake or a hug. Nice to have you all here today. and I'm really excited about this morning. Hey, by the way, just, you know, I love to get a chance. To get, you know, we're, we're, really, we're really a family church. I love getting to hear stories about what's going on in our lives. And Shane, man, I just love to hear the stuff that God's doing in you guys and the way that he's just provided for the wedding and maybe a honeymoon and sort of that kind of thing, camping in the backyard and all that. It's great. <laughs> but, you know, seriously, um, 
I just love this family, and I, I love that we get to spend this time together. I love that we get to share in each other's lives, and, and you kind of just get to hear the real-life stuff. You know, it's not a production. This is just real people sharing the way God's working in their lives, and I, I love it. And today we're in week three of our series, The Way, and we've been looking at what it looks like to not just be religious, but to actually find our ways leaning into the life of Jesus, learning how to live in the life of Jesus. Because Jesus' invitation was pretty simple. He said, come follow me. Come to me, follow me, trust me, and I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to show you the full and abundant life. And his invitation was to really spiritual transformation, total transformation. It wasn't just to make our lives a little bit better or a little less cranky or a little less fearful, but he was like, man, the kingdom of God, the kingdom up there has come down here and it's available to you now, here right now. The, the, king, the reign of God has begun to everybody who opens their hearts and allows him. The, the rule of God in the world has begun. Now, I dream of, and I can't wait for the day when Jesus returns and the reign of God takes place across the earth and everybody sees him and everybody recognizes who he is and all knees bow and tongues confess that, man, you are Jesus and you are the way to God. You are God and you knew best. And, and for all who know him, it's like, can't wait for that day. But folks, there may be time between now and then. So how do we live this season on the earth. What, what do we do with what we've been given? We just piddle it away per, you know, with trivial pursuits and just kind of hope for the best? Are we just kind of rolling the dice that maybe I'll get there and, you know, the, the pearly gates will open? I'll get the magic, you know, recipe by giving enough or doing it. What does it mean to enter into the full life of Jesus and to walk in the ways of our master? Jesus says that it's transformation he's after. His plan wasn't to start a church to turn a whole bunch of grumpy people into Christians so that they could be grumpy Christians, cranky, egotistical, judgmental, harsh, lustful, gossipy, self-righteous, fearful, until they die and go to heaven and become perfect. That wasn't the plan. That's a lot of what I see. And my, honestly, my, my take is this. When I look, look across the globe and across the fact that 68-ish percent, one thing I read recently, of people in America claim association with the Christian faith. In other words, they claim to be Christian or somehow they associate themselves, like maybe they're not Buddhist or, or Islam. Maybe they're, they just mark the box Christian. But how is it that if that number of people have some association with Jesus, so few people are living full and abundant lives? And the world is in the, the greatest mess I've seen in my lifetime. How is that so? And the only thing I can take from it is that we have a lot of people associating with the good thing. They want to go to heaven. They want to have, you know, good life. But they don't understand the invitation is not just to another belief system, another that I check the box Christian and that gets me into heaven. I, I think a lot of people have missed out on the point that Jesus came for a transformation of your life, a total transformation. He came to remake you from the inside out. And he wants to give you a life that is completely different from all the other things that people are pursuing. And one of the ways I know whether I'm entering in that life and I'm living into that life is by the way I feel about other people's lives. If I find myself wishing for somebody else's life or an aspect of something, now, come on, let's be honest. I mean, who wouldn't want somebody else's body or brain or, you know, bank account, right? I mean, I'll take Brad Pitt's, all of that. But, you know, <laughs> just saying. 
that there are, if, but if I find myself yearning for somebody else's life, then there's something about mine that must be deficient in the way I'm interpreting God's call for me because his call is not for the perfect me or the one day me. The call is for the right now Dave Elmore to follow him into full life. And it's for you. And if you find yourself yearning for somebody else's life or coveting somebody else's life or wishing somebody else's experience were your experience, then maybe, maybe, maybe you're not experiencing what it means to be transformed and, and walk in the ways of Jesus. Jesus' plan was to begin a society of transformed hearts. And this is what he told us in Romans 12, 2. Paul echoes this. He said, don't conform any longer to the pattern. In other words, don't take your cues for living from culture. Don't, don't think that you can figure out how to have abundant life by watching the world around you. They're lost. It only works, it only works if you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And something changes that Jesus said, I'm going to transform you inside out. That's why we exist as a church. Not to have buildings, not to have programs, or just connect around, you know, a meal like this Wednesday, which I'm really excited. I didn't realize we're having Italian food, so hope you guys bring good stuff, because I'm a terrible cook, but I'll pick up something. Anyway, that's why we don't exist just for activities or buildings or to take up offerings. Dallas Willard said this, the crying need of the world today, of our world, is for the church to take the need for transformation seriously as a real practical issue to be dealt with in realistic terms. In other words, we exist for you to experience new life, and we're going to try and give you practical ways to do that. As a church, we have to ask, are we doing this? This, if we're pursuing this, how good are we at it? And if we're not, which is why we've pulled back from a lot of the things we're doing production-wise and, you know, flash and bang and all this. And we are just saying, what, what are you experiencing in your day-to-day -day walk with Jesus? And are you experiencing new life? If not, then, man, we want to pursue a better transformation. We want to help you experience that. And only God can give that transformed life. We're not passive in this. I mean, Jesus talked about the soils that, you know, there's the hard soil, there's the pathway soil, there's the entangled soil, there's all these different soils, and your heart is your soil, so you have to pre prepare your heart to receive God, but, but God is the one who changes and transforms the life. It's just up to, uh, up to us to learn how to, to step into it, to pursue it, to prepare for it, and to, obe to obey and walk with Him. So when Jesus invites you to a life in Him, He's announcing good news. Whatever you were doing before, put your life on hold. This is better. This is God's way of living. Return to the world. This is, this is like Garden of Eden returning to the world. And again, it's, it's there, but it's not yet. It's the God's kingdom has arrived, but it's not fully come until Jesus returns. But you're invited to experience it now. Eternal life, he said, was life everlasting. He invited us he came to give us everlasting. In other words, it starts right now and just lasts forever. It doesn't start when we die. It starts right now. And if you're not experiencing life that's begun, the fullness of life that moves on, then we've got to look at our lives and say, what are we pursuing? Because when Jesus offers to be our friend, our teacher, our forgiver, our Lord, our guide, when he comes to us, his offer is the greatest thing ever. It's the greatest opportunity you will ever have to have Jesus come and live in you and guide you and be your God and your Savior. 
There's nothing else. No job, no personal experience, no relationship, no money, no... There's no thing in life that can compare with life in Jesus, following Jesus, living with Jesus. Nothing compares to it. When people see Jesus' vision for the kingdom, they got all around him. When they saw what it looked like to live in, and by the way, Jesus was living the kingdom life. He was showing you this is what it looks like when we walk with God in God's plan. Life just happens. It just comes along this way. And so we saw deliverance and forgiveness and freedom and healing and people's celebrations. We saw life to the full all around Jesus. He said that's what it looks like. And people couldn't keep away from him. They came by the masses, by the thousands, the tens of thousands. They've lined up now for, by the millions and the billions to get a little glimpse of this, to get a taste of this. And we're the stewards of this. This is the greatest thing ever. There's nothing else that compares. And, and, and when people see this, just like with Jesus, they should be saying, I want more of that. I, I want this more than anything I've ever wanted in my life. I want life like this. And Jesus would often tell stories to communicate what life like this was supposed to look like. And, and when people come into the realization of what it was he's offering, their response. He said it this way in Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like. Okay, the reign of, kingdom of heaven is just another way of saying the reign of God, the rule of God, where God has God's way in our lives. And he's saying, so when God has his way in the world, when God has his way in your life, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again because he didn't want to risk losing it, right? And then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had. It said, in his joy. He wasn't sad for the day he lost everything else to gain it. In his joy, he sold all that he had and bought that field. And, and finally, he's like, now I finally have it. He's saying, that's what it's like. When a person comes to realize what it looks like when Jesus, when God rules over our life, when God leads our life, when God has his way in our life. Again, Matthew 13, 45. The kingdom of heaven is like the reign of God in my life. God's leading in my life. is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Guys, this is a vision of the kingdom of God. This is like, this is supposed to get you woke up and like, this is supposed to fire you up because this is what it looks like. When you realize what God has on offer, the greatest opportunity you will ever have in your lifetime is to know God and have him lead and oversee your life, to, to watch you, walk with you, lead you, prompt you. The kingdom of God, his response, Jesus said, is our response. This guy's response, I'm going to sell everything, I'm going to put this first and foremost. That's why Jesus said, if you, want to, if you want to live this way, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek it first. Put everything else secondary. All your other loves and passions and all the other things that are like driving you in life, they come secondary. The other gods, the little g gods that, that fight for your devotion and your affection. It's like, this has got to be it. This is it for the reign of God to begin in your life. That's got to be your first and primary pursuit. When people don't believe this, that's when churches, when people don't see how good it is, and it's so good that you can't resist it, you want it so much that you give everything for it. When people don't get this, that's when churches have to use all other kinds of means to get people motivated to do things. That's when people, that's when churches hype people up or put a spin on stuff 
They use emotions and manipulate appeals. They use guilt or whatever else to get a certain response. They do stuff, and it's exhausting. And folks, it always runs out. It always comes up short. I mean, this is the way people lead because they don't have a true vision of what it meant to live with Jesus. So the only thing that motivates people over the long haul is to actually grasp how good life the life Jesus offers actually is. You've got to really get this. And over the next few weeks, man, I'm just going to keep talking about it. And then I'm going I'm to give you some practical ways to practice this, to step into it. But for now, think of it like this. What would it be like if you were to live in the reality of God's love all day long? You were to live with the constant awareness that Jesus paid for every sin you've ever committed ever will commit that Jesus went to the cross to take the full wrath of God against all of your choices and mistakes and disobedience and rebellion and all the things that you've done that have really hurt you and others that Jesus took the punishment for that that not only did he take the punishment but he set you free to now live a life of joy and peace and patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control he's he's literally said I'm gonna give you the life that I had I'm gonna take the life that you had and we're gonna swap I mean, for me, at least, it means that I never have to be afraid because my fear for me is like I'm afraid of God because I don't want to face him with some of the stuff that I've done. It's like that fear's gone. At least for me, it would be I don't have to manipulate people. I don't have to try and coerce people to get stuff because God knows all that I need. And he said he'll take care of all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He'll do it in a way maybe that's different from what I was thinking, but he's promised to meet all my needs, take care of me means I, I don't have to do anything just to prove myself, to make people laugh or think I'm okay or I'm cool or something. I don't have to dress a certain way or act or talk a certain way. I can just, I can just be the fullness of me plus, you know, just really alive. I wouldn't have to hide. I wouldn't have to deceive. I mean, if I could live like this all the time, this would be the very best kind of life. I, I mean, this would be amazing if Jesus took all that he put in me and he starts unleashing that. All the gifts and the passions and the strengths and the grace starts unleashing that. The best, that's the pearl of great price. That's, that's a life not to miss. Well, let's be honest. I don't always feel that great about myself. I, I don't always live in harmony or in step with the Spirit. I don't always live the way I'm supposed to. And when I think about the gap that sometimes I feel between the person I should be, could be, and the person I am, I can get really depressed. I can get really discouraged. I can get really down. And I have to wonder, who has the power to do something about this? Who can fix this? Paul said, what a wretch I am. Who can address my problem? Who, who can take care of the thing that's happened that's going on in me? Thanks be to God, because in Christ Jesus, he's taking care of all of it. Who can forgive it? Who can change it? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. There's no other way but him. And you have to come to a settled conviction about this. It can't be coerced. It can't be something I twist your arm or that I try to hype. It has to be something you come to the realization. And probably because you've tried a million different things and they didn't work. And you're like, come to the conclusion like, you know what? The life that Jesus offers is actually the best life. The plan that God has for his kingdom to break into the world is actually what I want more than anything. I want what God wants because that's the way that life was meant to be. It's like return to the Garden of Eden. It's like us living at our full potential. Living with harmony and joy and 
all this stuff. That is the best. You can't be tweaked into this or guilted into this or twisted into this. You can't be hyped into this. This just has to be something. You come to the conclusion, this is what I want, and I want it most. It's just got to be a personal decision you make at some point that I want to go all in with Jesus. I want to follow and pursue his way of living. I want it more than I want to just have a good life, like pasting Jesus over my already life and hoping that, you know, I'll make it to heaven. The best of both worlds. I get what I want here and I get what I want there because you're really not getting what you want here after all. All the things you're pursuing, they end up in the same place. Self, self, self. Empty. Empty. Solomon called it chasing after the wind. The only way to do this, man, this life of this kind, is to reach the conclusion Jesus' life is the best life. What Jesus had to offer is what I want, and I want it with all that's in me. I want this more than I want anything else. I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know I'm going to forget. I'm going I'm to get sidelined. I know I'm going to get sidetracked. I know that that's, I'm not going to be perfect, but I will have this. I'm going to pursue this. And of course, if you come to that conclusion, then my next question for myself and you is, okay, but how? How, how do I pursue this? How do I, how do I walk in this new way? Dallas Willard writes this. My central claim is that we can become like Christ. Spiritual transformation is possible by doing one thing, by following him in the overall style of life Jesus chose for himself. He's saying the way that spiritual transformation happens is I actually study the life of Jesus, his teachings and his ways, and I do just what he said. I follow him. I apprentice into his way of living. I just start practicing this way. And in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, Dallas Willard basically summarizes it like this. He says, we can grow more like Christ. Spiritual transformation is really possible through faith and grace if I'm willing to arrange my life around the activities Jesus himself practiced in order to remain constantly at home in the fellowship of his Father. See, Jesus would engage in certain practices. Jesus had Scripture pretty much memorized. Of course, he was the Word, so he had a, a little bit of lead on us. But other than being the Word, I mean, Jesus literally, as a young boy, began studying the Scripture, the Torah, basically just like other Jewish children. He had to learn it, and he was so enmeshed in it, he was so into it, that he had it practically memorized. And I'm talking about his human side. Then he would go out into creation. He would find himself all alone with the Father, and he would spend lengthy times just discussing life with God, his Father. He would be silent sometimes. Sometimes he would engage in community and laughter and celebration and, and, and party and have weddings and, and good times with others. I mean, he would give generously. He would live simply. He would be so kind towards people in need and so strong with people who needed correction. He would engage in acts of servanthood all the time. I mean, if Jesus felt like he needed these things, how much more do we need them in our broken, disconnected world? How much more would this change us if the Son of God said, this is the way to live? Man, I need this. Part of what it means to trust Jesus is to trust that he actually knows what he's talking about and what he did, I can do with his power. So it's called the way of Jesus and following Jesus in this process of discovering and walking in life is what it's all about. And, it, and by the way, it'll look a little different 
for our different people. Because we're all wired differently. We have different par- personalities, different backgrounds, different family, different story, different passions, different genetics and temptations. So the purpose of the, the disciplines and the, the habits we're going to learn is not just so you can be forced into a, a ritual or a program like a lot of people do, so you can give rules to follow. It's basically so you can live to, you can learn to do this with your eyes shut, to follow Jesus and know what he would think and what he would do and how he would act in any given situation, and you could find yourself there. Once again, Jesus would certainly ask people this question. I want you to have this life, but do you want this? Do you want this? I mean, are you willing to set aside other pursuits to, to perceive this? Have you decided more than success or a beautiful home or applause or somebody else's pat on the back that you want to live in the ongoing delight of God's presence and guidance? So how do I do this? How do I be with Jesus? There are a couple primary ways. Um, we're going to talk about one this week, and then we're going to break the other one down into a couple different weeks. First, the first way we learn to walk in the way of Jesus is through an abiding relationship with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit. I know when we talk about the Holy Spirit, if you're not a church person or if you've not been around this, I mean, I grew up in Pentecostal church and the Holy Spirit was talked about a lot. I mean, I mean, you get, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get knocked across the room by the Holy Spirit, I mean, you get slain in the Spirit, you get, you know, all these things. I mean, and, and, and by the way, I mean, I, I had all those experiences, you know, at different times in my life. And, and I'll be honest, um, unless it's followed with something more, it's just, it's just another experience. What he's saying is, I want you to live in an abiding relationship. And for people who are not like into the supernatural, this is like kind of weird. The spirit, what does that mean? What does he want to possess me? Like, you know, do weird stuff. And no, it's actually your, your mind and your body and your choices and all that. But it's, it's actually the living God coming to lead and whisper and guide and love and comfort and, and show you moment by moment the ways of Jesus as you go about your life. To help you become the person that you want to become, that you, the life you, you desire to live, but you don't have the power and you don't have the resource and you don't really have the understanding. John 14, 16. Jesus talks about this. And you'll notice the closer he gets to the crucifixion and going back up to the right hand of the Father, the more he talks about the Holy Spirit and that he's going to send him to take his place. That's what we read. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. And be with you forever. In other words, they're grieving the fact that Jesus keeps saying he's leaving. And he's like, hey guys, it's not like you think. I'm still going to be with you. It's just going to be different, right? It'll be the spirit of truth. I'll be with you forever. Another advocate, by the way, this this is kind of tricky to translate from Greek or Aramaic into English. It can literally mean another like me or another me. I'm sending another me, but it's not... Me in the physical sense, like I'm standing here in flesh and blood, it'll be me in a spiritual sense, like I'm going to get to indwell you. I'm going to be in you, with you, right? He says, another one of me will come. I will give you another one of me to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. In other words, the spirit is like, it's invisible. So the world out there is like, they want to know they can't know it until they see it, right? I only see what I, I only believe what I can see. Seeing is believing. That's the world's perspective. And Jesus said, they're just going to pass this by because they can't see it and control it. But you, mm, but you will know him 
for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Man, do you need that? Somebody just to teach you how to do stuff that you didn't know how to do? He'll remind you of everything I've said. Man, do you ever just wish you had a little more insight into what Jesus was talking about or remember what he said? Then he goes on. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you the, the peace the world gives you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid, it goes on to say, because I've overcome the world. You're going to have trouble in this world, but I've overcome it. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if you could have the, the coach? Wouldn't you wish that Jesus were your mentor? I mean, don't you wish that you had Jesus as your counselor, as your therapist, as your coach? Jesus is saying, I want to do that through my abiding presence, the Holy Spirit. And so, according to Jesus, the way that we be with Jesus today, it's through the, the relationship we have with his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Bible talks about if you proclaim with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, man, you are saved. In other words, you're part of this, this amazing work of God in the world. He's, like I've said before, the first and primary goal then of apprenticeship to Jesus as learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. You've just got to get tuned in. You've got to just be aware of him. And this is the baseline. I'm not going to give you a 10-step formula. I don't know 10 steps for how to live in constant awareness of God's presence, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about some of the ways that are working in my life and some things I've read in Scripture. But the call is to come hang out with me, to, to follow me, to open your heart and life to me and let me guide you, comfort you, instruct you. Let me give you peace and strength and courage. And then John 15, Jesus gives us a metaphor for how to live in this new reality. He goes, I'm the vine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. So it'll be even more fr fruitful. And what fruit is he talking about? That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that stuff. He goes, I want you to have all those things flowing into your lives. How do you get it? You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. In other words, I've already forgiven your sins. I've already pruned away the, the evil and stuff from your past. You're already clean because of what you believe in me. And so remain in me. And I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It's got to remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The word remain Meno in the Greek, it's translated to remain, to abide, to live in, to stay at home with. Like, man, Jesus, I just want to live in that relationship with you. He goes on, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. You don't have to stress about it. You don't have to fight over it. You don't have to just get all stressed about it. You're going to bear fruit. But apart from me, if you disconnect from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away. It withers. Branches like that are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself, showing the world you're my disciples. You're my apprentices. You're walking in my way. 
So Jesus' metaphor is abiding in the vine, the vine and a branch. It's like the, the trunk and the branches, you don't know where one ends and the other begins. And the life so naturally flows from this branch, I mean, from this vine into this branch, that it's like, man, just by connecting to it, it grows. Just by staying connected, it bears fruit. And Jesus is saying, that's what your life will be like. If you just allow me to flow in and to and through you. And that word connected, abide, remain, meno, is used ten times in this one little bitty passage to tell you this is what it means to walk in the presence and the way of Jesus. You have to tune into the presence of God through his Holy Spirit. He's driving the point home, to abide. It means to get into the Father's, Father's presence, to stay there, to tune into the prompting of the Holy Spirit and live there. And this comes... To, to me, I, I'm like, how do I do this? How, it's practical for me, so it's like, how do I do this? And here's what I've learned. It comes basically down to this, to learning to always be in two places at once. Now, I'm not a great multitasker. I mean, to be honest, I'm one of those guys, if I look at my phone, I'm like this on the road. Sorry, yeah, if you were the one that I have actually scared, but that I'm not really great at it, so I have to, do, so people get irritated that I don't text right back. I'm like, you don't want me to text right back. I'm on the freeway. Nobody wants me to text back because this is not a good thing. I'm not a great multitasker, but there's something I am learning to multitask in. And that is this constant awareness that whatever I am and doing, wherever I am and whatever I'm doing right now, I'm here. But at the same time, I'm aware of the presence of God's spirit and his, the father and the relationship I have. I'm learning this and not great at it yet. But, and I've been at it a long time. But in your car, on the commute to work, you're there in traffic, but you're in the presence of the Father. You're taking kids to school, and you're, you're aware of God's abiding grace, and it's prompting. You're in class with all the distractions of school life, yet, yet you're aware of God's leading and guiding his presence. You're reading emails in the Father's presence. You're having coffee with a friend and in the Father's presence. You're picking up your kids from soccer. You're standing in line at Walmart. You're, you're all day long. You're in the presence of the Father. The reign of God is happening right in your life. And I'm learning how powerful this is in my own life. And honestly, it's changing my life. I don't want you to miss this. This sounds so simple, but it is absolutely transformational. There are all kinds of language in the teachings of Jesus uh, uh, to capture this. Jesus calls it abiding. Paul calls it prayer without ceasing. Brother Lawrence called it practicing the presence of God. If you're not familiar with Brother Lawrence, he was a, a soldier, 15th century Paris, and basically he was converted. He was transformed by Jesus. He was so captivated by this Jesus of Nazareth that wanted to invite him into this new life that he devoted his whole life. He decided he wanted to become a monk, that he wanted to devote his entire life to knowing and following Jesus. So he commits himself to this monastery, and at this monastery, this newbie, basically young man, gets, he gets <laughs> relegated all the tasks nobody wants. He gets to scrub the dishes and the toilets and make the beds and do the linens and take care of all the other priests and the poor that come and takes care of the bedpans, and he's basically the worst of the worst jobs he's given. But he makes a decision early on that he's going to live every single moment as if he were living and abiding in that moment, not just with the people and the tasks he's been assigned, but in the presence of God. 
that he was going to practice being in communion with God and doing all of this at the same time. And you could ask him, Brother Lawrence, what's your life about? And he'd say, it's all about abiding in the presence of God. So as he's washing dishes at the monastery, he wasn't even a priest yet. They hadn't even given him his ordination. Yet he continues to practice this presence of God. And as he does this, he's capturing the attention of all the other guys who are like taking a little bit of joy and the newbie getting all the bad jobs. You know, it's like, hey, we had to do it, now you got to do it, ha ha, you know, it's an initiation, right? But he's so good at this attitude of just constantly being so positive and encouraging. No matter what they give him, he's just up for the task and he's okay. They're like, what is it you're doing? How is it that all these learned men were not practicing the ways of Jesus, but Brother Lawrence, this young guy, is just like, I'm just learning to live all, all the time, moment by moment, in the awareness of I'm in God's presence, and everything is okay. Everything is, I don't care what comes my way, I, I'll do my best, but then it's up to God. I'm not responsible for anything beyond what I can do in the presence of God. So I'm going to do it with all joy and diligence, and then I'm going to trust God. He'll meet my needs. This was so catching that basically word got out about this guy and his way of living. He was so attractive to everybody that people started writing him from around the world and asking him, Brother Lawrence, how do you do this? How would you handle this? And he compiled, somebody compiled these letters and, and his correspondence, and they made it a little booklet called Practicing the Presence of God. And that's a book that has so impacted my life. Here's a quote from it. The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clutter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. I mean, as a 15th century monk, the sacrament or Holy Communion was like the highlight of their day. That's when they literally get to tune out everything else and just be in God's presence and just think about all that he's given them and the life he's invited. That was like the moment that they all look forward to, the, the Holy Sacrament. He said, yeah, communion with God is great, but you don't have to wait for the time at the altar. You could do that all the time. I've learned that communion is within, with God all the time. I'm always in communion with him. It's no better at rush hour than it is when I'm at the, you know, at the, in front of the altar. I've learned how to make every moment sacred, and I possess God right in the chaos and the noise of 30 priests yelling about their breakfast as I would if I were just in the silence of God's great presence. It's all the same. Man, I bet I'm not alone in thinking, I would love to experience life that way. I would love to know what that means, to just feel God's presence and to be in that mindset all the time. But notice what it's called, the practice of the presence. Because it takes practice and to reuse a quote I've given before from Dallas Willard, he said, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. So in the early times of our practicing, we may be challenged by our burdensome habits, of dwelling on things less than God. In other words, you're going to get distracted, right? Somebody may get, go home and think of that really hot girl that you saw at church today, and you're not, you're not thinking of Jesus all the time, right? He's like, so you're going you're to come up short. You're going to be critical of a comment from a coworker. You're going to be upset about your, what the scale tells you in the morning or whatever. 
He said, there are things less than God, but these are habits. They're just patterns of the ways that you've gotten used to living and thinking, right? But they're not the law of gravity, and they can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward being. His point, living in a constant awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. Brother Lawrence devoted his entire life to that. And oh sure, you know, abiding in the vine, it sounds great, but I'm a regular guy. I've got problems. I got job. I got responsibilities. I got really cranky people I have to deal with. I got demanding customers. I got a really, you know, challenging husband or wife. I got these kids, whatever. You're, you're like, that's why he said it takes practice. It takes practice. But folks, in the chaos, in the activity, in the noise, in the connectivity, connectivity of the digital world, we need this more than ever. We need to learn this more than anyone. Another writer, William Paulsell, says this, it's unlikely that we'll deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our lives, but there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence. In the, daily, in the routine of daily living. That line is so powerful, that last one. There's nothing that will enrich our lives more than deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in our routine daily living. <clears throat> so right in the homework and the stress, and the chaos of real life, and we can, we can be aware of God's presence. Right in the middle of a sales presentation, right in the middle of a traffic jam, it, we can practice the presence of God. In fact, for today, <clears throat> I want to practice that right now. I, I just want us to get into this mindset that we can do this. With the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can, as a matter of fact, that's why he came to teach us how to do this, how to live in the present kingdom of God right here and now as we await the onco oncoming kingdom where it comes in its fullness. We can do this. This is what we do. Right now, you're listening to the most amazing sermon ever, and, <laughs> and you're just right there in the presence of the Almighty God, whose love and grace has made provision for your sins so that you never have to live in guilt and shame any longer, that you're free from whatever addiction or habit or past thing you have. You may not be walking in that freedom, but you are free. That there's no power on earth or heaven or hell that has overtaken you, that Jesus has conquered all, and he's offered that power to anyone who wants to follow him. You are empowered by the greatest power and energizes the entire universe. The God who spoke the worlds into existence, the stars and all that with that vast host that we look at at night, that same God, he holds you in his hand. There's not a problem. There's not a concern. And I know cancer, but what about cancer? But what about, you know, the whatever? What about the crisis and the, and the terrible things that are happening? We have those things are real. And he promised this world will give you tribulation because it's rebelled against God and it's living out the fulfillment of all that comes with rebellion against God. Not that you did all that, but it comes on everybody. And, and you're just, and you're just going to have to learn that in this moment, we can live in the awareness of God's presence no matter what. You got a bill that's just terrifying you. You got a relationship that's just breaking your heart. You got a job that's just 
draining the life out of you. You've got, you got something that you're pursuing that just feels like you'll never come. This is so powerful. There's nothing that will enrich your life more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in every moment of your living. So picture, picture right here and now as you walk, you get up, we sing our song, you get up, you're in the presence of the Father. All is well, all is well. And you go out and you leave these, these doors and you head out and you have interactions with other people who are pursuing this idea of practicing and living in the presence of God. You have some meaningful conversation. You discuss having maybe lunch with somebody. You get, you get in your car and you start leaving the parking lot and somebody cuts you off. You're in the presence of Jesus. And it's probably me, and I'm sorry, but I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry practicing Jesus' presence. But no, this, this is, we, we're going to take him with us. He's going to go with us, and when we get in the car and the kids are screaming and we, don't, we can't decide on where to go to lunch and we can't really afford it anyway, so it's like, no, it's PB&J again. Let's go home, you know, whatever. In the homework, in the stress, you're okay. You're in the abiding presence of Jesus who said, I know all your needs and I'll take care of, I'll take care of all your needs according to my, you seek me first and I'll take care of all the rest. I'm not, I'm not going to let you go without what you need because I love you. Now, if you can live at that, con just convince yourself that, you know what, I don't want to live without that presence, without that sense, without God's ongoing, then you can have compassion. You know, here's a practical way. When you are with somebody that's just really annoying you or difficult, then rather than just give them what they deserve, give them what you didn't deserve, Grace. Give them, and, and I've learned that for me, when I get really irritated with somebody like that, there's a couple things I've learned to do, and one is to try and walk in their shoes because, man, I watched uh, the movie about J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, the writer of The Lord of the Rings and stuff, and you would not believe the pain a simple person's life has to go through to bring them to the moment they're in right now. You would have no idea what people have gone through to just be here today. Some of you are here today all by yourself or you're sitting like you feel like you're all alone because the stuff that you're going through is so isolating and it just creates a sense of desperation in you and nobody knows that. Well, wouldn't you like for somebody to have a little grace, a little mercy if you come up short sometime, if you're not paying attention, if you're, if you're just not a little zippy and happy and not everything's... Wouldn't you want that grace? Well, that's what I'm trying to think of when I see somebody in a grocery store it's not performing their job or a waiter or a waitress that's just not really doing what I think is they're paid, you know, they're paid to do. When I'm not performing my best, I appreciate grace. What if your spouse just needs a little grace? What if your kids need a little more understanding? What if that person you're dealing with? Lori does this. She prays for that person. Whenever she's in an, an encounter, she just says, God, give me wisdom, and God, help me to see, you, to see them as you see them, to love them as you love them. Maybe you just need to ask for wisdom right in the moment. God, give me wisdom. Give me compassion. <clears throat> because you're more aware of, God, of God's rich love when you're in his presence, and it's easier to dispense it when you're aware of, man, I'm, <laughs> how many times have I been that guy that's at the light a little too long? How many times have I been the one that's kind of wove over there? I mean, picture your spouse and your kids, your boss being annoying or gr grumpy or demanding. You can handle it in a gracious and mature manner when you are aware that that the Spirit of God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus is there to teach you. He said, I'll be your teacher. I'll be your comforter. You need comfort? I'll be your counselor. You need counseling? 
if moment by moment, day by day, experience by experience, you just were aware of and connected to the abiding presence of God, how would it change you? This is changing my life. And after my sickness, I had a reboot of my life, and, and I've just let a lot of things go that I normally would be really stressed about. <clears throat> this particular week, man, I've had, I just had so many moments when, <clears throat> as I'm practicing this, I get all stressed out about, well, I gotta speak, and I got all these meetings, or I got this thing happening, I got this thing to think about, I got, you know, whatever, bills, and just like everybody else. And I just like take a deep breath and like, hey God, I'm doing my best, I really am, so. I can trust you with the rest. Just like the song we sang earlier, man, God, you know me. You know me. You get me. You're bigger than I ever thought you were. You're better than I ever thought you were, and you totally get where I'm coming from, so I can rest in your presence and your grace. So powerful. And I just want to invite you to start right now. Can I pray for you that, that this vision of the kingdom, of walking with Jesus, would become more central to the way you're living your life so that your life would be the one others look in and say, how the heck do I get their life? I mean, yeah, they don't have the biggest bank account, but look at their joy. Maybe they don't have the, the, the coolest house, but look at the incredible generosity that comes from them. And I pray that you would be able to capture this vision and that it would become your central focus. Let's pray. Our great... Incredible God that has told us to call you Father when we enter relationship through Jesus' sacrifice and death on the cross, when we come into life by the faith that you give us to trust you with that. It all begins made new, forgiven, made whole. We get to start this relationship, but God, somehow we get wrapped up in just everyday life and we forget what we're actually living here. The stresses and the fears and the worries and the pressures, they crush us. But God, I pray today for everyone who's come here today, just like Jesus, all you who are weary and heavy laden, those of you who've been crushed by religion and attempts to please an unpleasable God, those of you who have misunderstood your calling, come. Jesus invites you to come. To come to him. To take his yoke, his way of living, his habits to learn his teachings and walk in that and Jesus my prayer today is that you would make yourself real to everyone here plant that seed in the fertile hearts of all who've come desiring to know you and walk in a better way to honor you God help us to learn to live in this moment by moment day by day abiding presence two things at once two places at once that we can literally begin to see our lives transformed as we walk in step with your spirit and for somebody here today, you just need God's help right now with something that's going on. Ask him. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for grace. We ask this, Lord Jesus, provide all our needs as we seek you. And to your glory be all this, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing one last song as we send you out. Don't forget, Wednesday night, connect, and then come back next week. Let's pray.
this and we look forward to seeing you guys as we continue our series have a great day